Show number 96 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Trek. Well, now we're starting the show. This is the show, is and it's like, what, show 96? Oh, something like that. It's getting close to 100, and let me... I know. I'm, I'm fresh out of ideas for show 100, let me tell you. <laughs> I know. We, we need um, suggestions, <laughs> listeners. Or what do you want out of show 100? The only thing I could think of to do for show 100 is like a drunken podcast, but, you know. We, but we've been doing we do that so anyway. well. I our 100th show be, you know, crap. Well, let's try not to do a crappy show for show 100. Let's just put that down right now. Okay. Show 100 well, will not be a crappy show. I'm sure of that. None of our shows are crappy. Never. Never. Well, um, this is this particular show is a special show because Whee! most of the show is going to be an interview that I did with my brother, my oldest brother, and I've mentioned him on the show many times before because he was a huge Star Trek fan and was one of the reasons that I became so into Star Trek. And I have a lot of his Star Trek um, memorabilia, not crapabilia, but actually memorabilia. Stuff, stuff that's good, yeah. So I was recently, I had to go back to the East Coast, and we sat down, and I we recorded this interview, and it went really well. And he's just, he's got so many interesting opinions and things, and told me all kinds of stuff. hear this. All kinds of stuff that I didn't know about his uh-huh. Star Trek fandom and stuff. So it, it is going to be good. So we have that to listen to. But the one thing we did want to talk about before that was the new um, media bill has conquered. Yes, and I found this because I was also on vacation on the East Coast, although I was down in Florida, <laughs> and uh, of course, you know, hanging around and looking for souvenirs, and went into a store that had, was, you know, sports memorabilia, TV memorabilia, that sort of stuff. I thought, oh, I will definitely find some new media in here, and uh, oh boy, yeah, jackpot. <laughs> I'm really sounding like Sarah Palin. <laughs> oh boy, yeah, jackpot, yeah. <laughs> pew, pew. <laughs> okay. Um, this this um, this new media. How can I describe it? It is Captain Kirk's or William Shatner's starship license. It's true, and you know it says both. It says William Shatner, and then after it, it says quote Captain Kirk. I know. You know, on my driver's license, they won't put you know my real name <laughs> and quote Jungle Kitty. <laughs> so obviously, they're more enlightened in the future about these things. But so Bill has conquered. Fake ID. Fake ID. I love this. And there's a picture of it on the blog for people who are listening to this. You can go over there and see it because you just scanned it for us. And um, it says Starship license, and then it's got a license number, then a birth date, and when it expires. And then it has a a thing that says restrictions, and then the word Klingons under it. And um, I still don't quite know what that means. Restrictions, Klingons. I I know. It's just stupid. I think the people who make these things were getting tired at that point and went, (laughs) you know, what can we put for restrictions, you know, like eyeglasses or, you know. Uh Well, so I guess you could interpret it in a couple. Must have half Vulcan science officer or something. (laughs) I guess that wouldn't fit. So it could mean that um, he's not allowed to drive with Klingons in the car. Mm -hmm. He's not allowed to let Klingons drive his car. Um, he's not allowed to run down Klingons if he's driving. He's not allowed to speak Klingon when he's driving. Um, he's not allowed to go into Klingon airspace. That's right. He, he's not allowed to go anywhere near Klingons or to the Klingon homeworld. There could be a lot of interpretations to that. I know. I know. And um, anyway, um, under sex. <laughs> <laughs> it should say often, but it doesn't. <laughs> Always. <Yeah. laughs> it should just say yes. Yes, but that's it says, right. 
height five foot nine inches. Mm-hmm. Which, eh, okay. Yeah. We'll go along with that. Now the signature is uh, Bill's signature. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Bill signed on for this. I think. <laughs> you know, like a scan of a, a real signature or somebody faked it uh-huh. and, and put it there. But it's interesting that he um, signed it over the weight. <laughs> but when you look at it really close, you can see that the weight says 170. I was noticing that because your scan is so much bigger than the actual item. So, Oh, really? Well, <laughs> um, so I wonder, you know, like when was the last time that Bill actually weighed 170 is what I want to know. Um, mid-season, second season. <laughs> Yes. Also, it says eyes blue. Yeah. No, no, no. They're hazel. They're you hazel. don't. But you know what it says on the back? What? It says souvenir collectible, copyright two thousand for entertainment purposes only. Oh, see, but, you know, if you if you're out wanting to have a drink, that is entertainment. <laughs> and it would be pretty entertaining to hand this to a cop if you got pulled over for speeding. I think, especially if you were William Shatner, who we know does get pulled over for speeding. That's true. Um, and I, it also says, you know, Starship license, and then it also says intergalactic in big letters. Yeah. Well, it's like the international driver's license. You know, this is intergalactic, intergalactic. but. Um, yeah, well, hmm. and it has a nice Except picture. that Klingon restriction, you know, there are no restrictions, which I guess means Bill can take it out alone after dark without another licensed uh, starship captain <laughs> with him and, you know, cruise for chicks well, and yeah. buy beer mm-hmm. and uh, just have himself a, good, a really good time with this. I like it. I like this a lot. And what do you know what the address is? It's uh, 10100 Santa Monica Boulevard. Isn't that like his agent's office or something? I got a feeling um, that it might be the address of the people who make this. Oh, I suppose I could Google it right now while we're talking. I was going to say, why don't you Google it? You are so, so Google-rific. Let's see, 10100. But um, I was pretty pleased I to, to find this. I was having a great vacation and this just kind of topped it. While you're Googling, I'll also tell about the other Shatner thing that happened on vacation. Oh, what was that? Well, um, it, it was um, Monday morning, and my sister and I were down by the hotel pool having breakfast, and it was the day after the Emmys. Mm-hmm. And, of course, because I was on vacation, you know, I didn't watch the Emmys. And she gets got the local newspaper and said something about, oh, you know, the Emmy results are here. And I said, oh, did Shatner win? And she started teasing me, you know, yeah, that's the most important thing to find out, and blah, 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 blah. And we just started going back and forth and giggling and, of course, never actually reading any results. <laughs> After a few minutes, this man at the next table goes, well, did Shatner win? <laughs> and, I, you know, that's just so great. Everybody everybody loves Bill. Everybody loves Everybody Bill. wants to know. Of course. What else could be more, like, why would you even watch the Emmys except really to find out if Bill won? Right, and I did uh, find out that in the opening skit, he got to help undress Heidi Klum, and I did see a a picture, but I haven't um, yet found the, you know, the, the whole little clip online, so... I, I have no idea what the, the setup for it or silliness was. And I'm sure once they announced that he didn't win, he probably went home in a pout. I haven't heard <laughs> if he uh, was presenting anything or just doing that sketch. So, Well, let me tell you, 
vacation. Okay. Did you find the address? I did find the address. And apparently um, it's a giant office building in Los Angeles. And there are many, many, many things in there. It has lots of different suites. There's like a law office. There's a donation office for the Huffington Post. There's a whole bunch of things. Um, So I don't really know what's there. It could be the people who make the cards, as you said. It could be... um, his lawyer's office it could be his agent's office it could be a lot of things it's just a really really big office building okay well the other interesting thing though is on the back of this there is like no company name really yeah there's a um you know a a, a price scan you know that sort of thing and up in the corner there's a pound sign nckid but there's nowhere that says you know wacky entertainment enterprises or you know anything like that That's so kind of weird i wonder who makes it i don't know nckid huh well, mm-hmm. i don't know but it's cool i'm glad you got it i think it's really awesome yeah <laughs> so you know folks as as lena said we're putting it on the blog you could print this out on a color printer and laminate it and there you've got your your william shatner captain kirk fake id, fake ID. starship license yeah It'll let you fly around the galaxy. Yep, in a starship. <laughs> well, exciting. Let's um, let's go to our interview. Yes, and I really want to hear this. This will this will be the rest of our show, and then we'll be back next time with um, another episode. Oh, and I did want to say that I got the um, second season TOS with the remastered special effects and everything on it. So it just came. I haven't opened the box yet because I'm sure the minute that I open it, the stupid case will fall apart into a million pieces <laughs> because the packaging is just as bad as the first season. But I, I think we should watch one of those shows because you know it's exciting. Oh, and it also comes with the extras. It's got more of. Um, Billy, what's his name's uh, home movies and things like that? Oh, okay. Hey, I just had an idea for the hundredth show. Yeah. Um, listeners, tell us, you know, like what episode or movie or something you want us to do an in-depth review of. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. And you know, we've got all the episodes now on DVD. We have the first two seasons in high def, but we do have all of them on DVD because I have the non-high def versions. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there, there's movies out there that we still haven't talked about. So, um, yeah, tell us what you want. We are open to Otherwise, we're going to have to pick something. <laughs> and, you know, frankly, it's getting a little tired that we have to do all the work here. <laughs> we have to do the work for our own podcast. Oh, God, oh, God. I know. It's ridiculous. Whose idea was this? <laughs> all right. Okay, let's listen to the interview. I really want to hear it. Okay, here we go. Okay. So, this is an interview that I've wanted to do for a while. Now, um, people who listen to the other podcast, the comics podcast, will know that um, my brother, my oldest brother, was a great influence on my life, both as a comic fan and as a Star Trek fan. So, this is the time that we're going to talk about Star Trek. (laughs) Excellent. Because this is the show about Star Trek and William Shatner and all things Trek. So, um, I've told, when I've talked with um, my partner on, on the podcast with Kitty about this, um, I, I felt like I was almost in the first wave of people who were into Trek, even though I was very young at the time. Mm-hmm. We used to watch it as a family. And I can remember us being in the living room around the giant Zenith television set. Console. <laughs> Console, yes, with the you know three channels or whatever <laughs> we had at that time. And I, I have a specific memory of watching a piece of the action. 
Do you really? I really do. I, I just remember sitting on the floor in front of the great big TV and watching it. In 1968? Yeah. I mean, I was five years old, so okay. I remember watching that. And then, um, of course, you and I watched lots of Star Trek mm -hmm. on like Friday and Saturday nights on Channel 11 mm -hmm. because the evening lineup was like the Honeymooners and, I don't know, like the Odd Couple and then an hour of Star Trek. Mm -hmm. And that was a thing that we did together for a long, 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 long time. So a lot of people that I know discovered Trek much later, um, either through the reruns when they were at college, for example, um, or when they were just older and would see it as adults. But I felt like I had the Trek stuff there right from the very beginning. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you, like, what are your earliest memories of Trek? Well, I, I have a couple different memories. Um, I know it came on, uh, I mean, we know it came on 66, 67. Um, so I was 11. Mm -hmm. And um, I had best friend Mark mm -hmm. in uh, grade school. And... Um, I remember starting a Star Trek club with him. Seriously? Yes. <laughs> um, he, he lived over on the other side of uh, the highway, and I remember going to his house, and we were uh, in his basement. There was one side of the basement that had an extra little room that had, like, a door, and you could actually go in there and shut the door, and that was our Star Trek clubhouse. I should remember that. The only thing I physically remember, and I wish I had them still, was we made cards. We made membership cards for a Star Trek club, and it was just me and him. <laughs> That's I remember so that very awesome. specifically. And it was like, I think we drew the Enterprise on this little card, you know, it was like the size of a credit card thing. And uh, and we started this club just for Star Trek. And wow. it was because we just, it was so overwhelmed by the fact that there was this thing that you mm -hmm. could, you know, on Friday nights that you could watch this show. And um, I remember that the scary episodes with monsters and mm -hmm. stuff were scary. Um, and I don't remember the comedy episodes being funny though. I think, I think they, I watched them, but I think I didn't get most uh -huh. of the humor of the, of those episodes. But, and I guess there were, there were episodes where there was the love story was the main part mm -hmm. of it. And I guess I remember liking to watch it visually, you know, mm -hmm. it was the same show, but I wasn't getting the interesting part of that, you know, with the relationships and, and each you know, each character had their love show, right? Mm -hmm, I mean, mm -hmm. Scotty had one and Bones had one. Chekhov or a couple. had one. Yeah, and so, so I remember that, you know, there were episodes that I didn't quite like as much. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, that was very important that, that I started that club. Wow. Uh, and if I still had that card, it would be a great thing. But, uh, you know, it's long gone. But um, that that was that was... To me, loving that show was like, that was part of that memory, that it was such a strong influence. Mm -hmm. um, I remember there were movie magazines that were out at the time where you could send away for headshots of mm -hmm. actors. And I remember that I always looked for, you know, uh, Captain Kirk. And, and uh, I think I had pictures that I we had gotten. I have them, yeah. Okay. I saw I have all that stuff. Okay. And um, I, it, was Uhura in there, too? Was there a picture of Uhura? Or it was just no, Kirk? No, I and... think it was just Kirk and Spock. And, and they had fake signatures on them, right? Yeah. Like, it wasn't yeah. really their like, signatures. Yeah, I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> or reproduce somehow. I just I remember that there were you know it was glamorous too. Yeah. It was, they were they were. What was funny was I there were pictures. They were glamorous pictures of TV actors, but they were also outer space characters at the same time. So you're getting all these things mixed together mm -hmm. of this Hollywood and and science fiction and and um, I, I don't know. It just seemed like a it was a it was something that was that was. Very alien to, to, you know, daily life, obviously, <laughs> but very exciting, too, yeah. you know. Um, so I, I think one of the reasons that I, I associate it really strongly with 
home was because our dad was a big science fiction mm -hmm. fan, and that was the kind of thing that he definitely would have approved of and mm -hmm. encouraged us to watch in the house. Yeah. Whereas a lot of people, their parents were just so like, oh, that's a crappy kids show, and yeah. it doesn't make any sense, and not really encouraging their kids to watch that kind of thing. Well, I, I can imagine, and I, I, I don't know how long we've talked about this with, with dad, you know, when it was on, but... I imagine some of those shows he must have really liked, but some of the episodes he must have just been terribly bored with mm -hmm. because they didn't keep a consistent, you know, viewpoint mm -hmm. with Star Trek. They had a great plan for Star Trek, but the implementation was not good. Yeah. You know, compared to any any kind of novel or any serial or or um, anything like a series of short stories or novellas, they they hit some high points, but. And and I think I remember him actually liking some of the more humorous episodes mm -hmm. because there that's when the actors really got to take off a mm -hmm. bit, you know, when they when they knew that there was something with a little humor or flair to it. Yeah. Even the when I'm we're just I got the DVDs recently of the first three seasons, and I watched uh, Mud's Women, mm -hmm. but I haven't watched. Um, I'm uh, Mud. I'm Mud, yeah. He liked that episode. I, sure. I specifically yeah. remember that he liked that and, one. And I'm saving that one because, but even at the, the last scene of, of Mud's Women has a beginning banter between these two mm -hmm. actors. I mean, there's a very little thing where, where, um, Kirk says something like, do you, do you want to stay down here or something like that? And, and Mud says something about, oh, they throw away the key or something. <laughs> and, and you can see that, that Kirk is already has this kind of smile on his mm -hmm. face, like they're, that they're, they had a rapport and they must have said, you know, okay, let's use that sometime later. We'll have this guy come back and do that. And it seemed to be driven just by the actors having such mm -hmm. a good time. So, yeah, that was um, Star Trek was was a thing to enjoy, I'm sure, but you know, a little bit critically. You know, not but of course we were too young to really be that critical, but I'm sure we got the idea that it was a it was a decent thing to watch. Mm -hmm. Uh, considering the other shows that might have been on TV at the time, I can't. I don't even know what exactly was contemporary with uh, that. Lost in Space. Well, obviously, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I think that I don't remember whether Dad sat through many episodes. I of don't it, think so. But um, medical shows were yeah. big. Westerns shows, were big. Right? Yeah, and and I mean, who you know, who even remembers mm -hmm. what else was on? Uh, I don't know. Um, I also then remember, and I was just talking about this with Kitty that between the end of Star Trek. And when the first movie came out, mm -hmm. I, I felt very starved for science fiction. And I remember us watching whatever was on, right? Like whatever kind of science fiction came on just to see if it was any good. Mm -hmm. And we watched Space 1999, uh, of course, right? Yeah. And that was when they started to import Doctor Who. So we were watching that. Doctor Who, yeah. And there were a lot of different science fiction things that came on that were on for a very short period of time but I do remember watching almost everything at least once just mm -hmm. because there was nothing else it on was, it was almost like a requirement yeah. it was like it was there for us to evaluate mm -hmm. you know oh there's something new on let's go see what it's about mm -hmm. and yeah the different ones Space 1999 looked like uh, it was science fiction-y mm -hmm. it had a lot of model work and stuff and I think the I, I can't even remember one good story that came out of it though I think it was I think it was terrible <laughs> I'd like to watch it again, just to know, but I really think it was horrible. Um, I was informed recently that there was another show that was on English television called UFO, and Space 1999 was actually the spin-off of UFO. Oh, really? And I've got some on my computer. Was that UFO I, people just chasing each other around a lot? I have some episodes that I haven't watched yet. Okay. I think I remember really? seeing some of that. Oh. I, I think there were you know aliens on Earth, 
Okay. And it was a bunch of people chasing each other around. But, you know, no sets, nothing mm-hmm. like that. You know, nothing, no, no budget. <laughs> it was always easy to see when there's a, when there's a budget or yeah. not. Even the new Doctor Who episodes that are on. I mean, when they have a budget, there's a lot of special effects. When there's no budget, it means that they're back they're on Earth. Running around. Yeah, just running around <laughs> yeah. the neighborhood, <laughs> acting up a storm. <laughs> But that was the same thing with Star Trek. Oh, I yeah. Mean, with, when, I, I, I haven't read anything on them recently, but um, I, I know I've read a lot of stuff in the past. But I, I really, just looking back on the episodes, it seems to me that, that um, somebody walked around the, the sets and said, oh, look, they have a 1930s street or they have some Western stuff laying around. Let's just write an episode mm-hmm. that uses the it'll existing sets and it'll be so, yeah, <laughs> it'll be so thrifty. We'll just be able to stand on these Western sets and yeah. use some props and, you know, act up a storm and mm-hmm. then it'll be over with. And, and that they had to save a huge budget. Definitely. I mean, you can tell that when there's a ship story or a planet story or a ship story. And even with the ship stories, like we were just watching Corbomite Maneuver. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all ships except for that one scene at the end when they're on uh, Baylock's ship. <laughs> and the rest of it is all, you know, I'm putting my fingers in air quotes, special effects. <laughs> that must have been very cheap to produce, I think. Um you Except know, for the effects, I don't know how much those would have cost. Yeah, I don't know. The special effects at the beginning, um, I think when, when they had to do a special effect, it would have been a lot of money. But um, some of the, the ship views and mm-hmm. sets, I think they just use over and over yeah, again yeah. in the outside shots. They they just incorporate them into a different mm-hmm. special effect. It must have been cheaper. But yeah, that one, I mean, we were just looking at the difference between the restored and unrestored. Mm-hmm. And uh, an optical effect like that, they get a lot of mileage out of it. I mean, they, they make the rotating cube, I think, and then they just keep showing it with different yeah. things in front of it or behind it. It's like, there's the rotating cube in space. There's the rotating cube through the view port on the bridge. There's the rotating view with, you know, the Enterprise on the left-hand side or on yes. the right-hand side. And we built this damn cube, and we're going to yeah, show it every chance this, we get. <laughs> spin that cube, and, and uh, there it goes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I think that... Um, once you build a bunch of stuff, and I guess that's the way it is with digital stuff now. When you, you create digital characters, the most of the work is in the upfront stuff, right. and then and when, just, when you want to just use them somewhere else, you it's really type cheap in a command, run, yeah, and then, <laughs> then he's make it do, doing, and then he runs, doing his thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, one thing that I specifically wanted to ask you about was the Star Trek Writer's Guide, which I have. Mm. And I'm so happy that I have it because it's, you know, an original that came out at mm-hmm. that time. They, I have read that they published editions after that. And you oh, can really? still buy it as a official collector's item. Mm. But the one that, that we have is actually the one that they were giving to writers, I think, when the show was on. Because you sent away for it, I think, while the show was still in production. I think so. I just, I, you know, I that's the way I remember it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how I would have known that, though. I mean, it was only on for three years. And again, this intensive thing about Star Trek while it was on, I think I was really wrapped up yeah. in it. And and I think it was in a movie magazine. There were no dedicated science fiction magazines, but I can't remember where I would have seen this ad that this was a real thing. Um, but there was a lot of there, there were a lot of movie magazines, I guess that or movie and TV, you know, mm-hmm. magazines um, that I guess focused on whatever was hot at the time, and and um, so. I must have read somewhere that there was something about Star Trek and and uh, that you could get this. But there is a possibility that this was after mm-hmm. this was actually after 1969 mm-hmm. that that it was still out there. Um, maybe so. I have some memory about it being kind of at the end of maybe the run, um, and 
there, I guess there was a time when people really didn't know whether it was really canceled mm-hmm. or not or whether, you know, so I think I got it because it was something I wanted, but I'm not sure, you know, the, the idea would have been that I, I actually thought that I could get this guide <laughs> and write myself an episode. I don't think I ever actually was going to do that. Though. You know, that, that was a lot to think of for uh-huh. somebody who's 12. <laughs> I mean, um, maybe I thought I would have it for the future. Mm-hmm. But I don't really think that when I was a 12-year-old, I sent away for it because I thought I was going to write an episode and get it in for the next well, season. you never know. I, I, mean, I could have. Probably, as a 12-year-old, the show's going to be on forever. Yeah. So yeah. by the time I'm, you know, 16, <laughs> then I'll be able to write this episode right, and right. then it'll be on the show. Yeah, so, so I'm not exactly sure. I, I wish there were more dates associated uh, with some of this stuff. It's the coolest thing ever, though. I mean, mm-hmm. looking through it now and looking at all the character sketches and, and what they had originally planned out, it's just so fascinating to go back to the roots of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Were they really making that because they were open to individual people they were. submitting scripts? They, they absolutely were. So that was one of the, the things that I got out of reading the history of it, that they were taking open submissions for scripts um, from the people who were established writers, obviously right. got first precedent, right. but people who had agents, anybody with an agent could submit a script, yeah. and they evaluated a lot of scripts out of the slush pile. That was the Darryl, David Gerald Gerald, story, that's right. right. That's what I mean, he did. He just sent in some one. like five different um, mm-hmm. paragraph summaries, and they said, this one sounds interesting, well, go I, write it. I'd like to somebody to evaluate uh, the thinnest script and premise for like one of the 89 episodes because <laughs> I think there's a few in there. I, I'm, I'm eventually guess going to watch them all again now that I have the DVDs. The but, hippie one. But yeah, Space I mean, hippies. there were some, there were some very sketchy premises, mm-hmm. I guess. I mean, how hard up were they for shows? <laughs> I think know? they were hard up and by the third season, Gene Roddenberry wasn't really involved anymore and had just yeah, left it to right, other people right. and they figured they would probably be canceled and they didn't have as much budget and... Mm-hmm. They didn't really have the time to spend on the episodes anymore. They're just the interest in making it really high quality wasn't mm-hmm. there. Despite that, there still are some good third season episodes. Yeah. I and mean, it wasn't all crap, which surprised mm-hmm. me because I always tend to think of the third season as complete crap from mm-hmm. beginning to end, but it's still not. It, it it kind of I guess it just kind of fell back on standard TV writing. Mm-hmm. That's the difference. I mean, we were looking at these first couple episodes that they made and how cinematic they were mm-hmm. in a way, or experimental. You know, they're chasing Kirk around the bridge with the handheld camera. Mm-hmm. And uh, the lighting is very dramatic. It's very kind of individual to that show. Whereas later on, they almost—it's almost like the cameras get comfortable mm-hmm. locations on the sets, and they never vary. Yep. Like I think there's a, in one of those early first couple episodes, there's a—I don't know if it was one of the Corbin White maneuver, but they're at a table, and the camera is actually moving around mm-hmm. behind the actors, behind each one as they're talking. It's—it's it's tracking around the room, and. They even that everything I guess either costs energy or actual money mm-hmm. to do. So if you get your sets built and you keep your cameras in the same spots using the same angles, <laughs> nothing costs anything extra. You pare it down yeah. so that you don't spend an extra dollar. And those episodes look look like sitcom versions. They do. Yeah. I mean, they just you, you know the, the same corridors, the same interiors, the same angles of the camera, the same lighting, everything's the same. Yeah. It, it became a formula, and they yeah. stopped pushing the envelope yeah. quite so much. Despite that, I was watching um, on TV, they showed the episode The Empath, which mm-hmm. I hadn't seen for forever in a really long time. Now that takes place, that, that's in a, in, a, in a non-set kind of that's thing. That's right. right, and so that was one of the ways that they cut the budget. Mm-hmm. So they are transported down, they transport down to this planet, or they're there, and you know the Vians are the big-brained aliens mm-hmm. who need to prove that the planet of the mutes, um, <laughs> as I was calling it, are worth saving. 
right, out of this star system because the sun's going to go nova and all the planets are going to get destroyed. So the, the big brain guys have to pick mm. which planet they're going to save. So they have to find out if the planet of the mutes are worthy of being saved. Okay. So Jem is the one person right. that they pick and they have to see if she's willing to give up her life for someone else. Okay. And that's the plot. That's mm. the whole plot. And there was no set, right? It was a giant right. empty soundstage right. with a lot of dramatic lighting effects, which actually worked really well. It was kind of spooky and cool mm. and... There were things about that episode that I really didn't like. I thought the performances were good, and the premise of it was interesting, but the fact that these super intelligent aliens with all this power would choose this way of going about figuring out how to save one planet and mm. like not ask the Federation for help and <laughs> not ask the Organians for help or <laughs> any of the other super powerful right. beings that were out there, it's like, come on, you know? <laughs> So, but it was, but that was third season, and that was still yeah, good. A standalone idea. That's many yeah. of those ideas, I guess, were standalone yeah, ideas. It, to link them back would take a lot of. Like I said, it's either cash money or it's energy mm-hmm. on how to how to make it more consistent and uh, not have you know those kind of those kind of tie-ins. Mm-hmm. You, you just don't. There's no time for that. I guess yeah. if somebody has an idea, you just go with it. Like you know, you, you can't kill the actors <laughs> right you know, <laughs> at the end, but you can do almost anything else you want. You just but don't. Don't spend any time linking it to previous ideas. Exactly. But the one thing I really liked about that, I wonder if you remember this, but um, throughout the episode, Spock has managed to get one of the con- devices that the Vians have. It's like mm. a wrist thingy and it press buttons on it. Mm. And he's trying to reprogram it to, um, so that they can use it and he has to make it match his own brain waves because those are the ones that he's most familiar with. <laughs> and throughout most of it, while Kirk and, and McCoy are sort of bickering about what they're going to do and stuff is happening... He's got it in his hand, and he's got like a little screwdriver, and he's just kind of fiddling with it, but very calmly and very scientifically, really? exactly the way he would. It mm-hmm. was very Spock-like, that he wasn't making a big deal about it, and he was just refining it and refining it until suddenly they're talking and talking, and he goes, okay, I finished it. <laughs> it's perfect. I mean, it's perfect characterization for Spock. It's exactly the way he would do something. I think I do remember that, yeah. It was I thought that was such a good piece of acting, mm. really low-key mm-hmm. in the middle of all this stuff. Right. Just, it was great. Well, you know, the, the, with the three of them, I guess they have to... The, the, the empath thing was heavy on McCoy, yes, right? Yes, okay. that's right, yeah. So the three actors are there together. I guess um, I, I would imagine that with a little sketchier uh, premise or, or writing, the actors are a little bit more responsible for getting themselves through the episode all the way, mm-hmm. right? With mm-hmm. with business to do yeah, with or business, with whatever. Exactly. Or, uh, so, so he sees where he is in this episode and there's an arc to it and I guess he has to fill in and I you know if you don't have really uh, writers that have been with the thing for the whole run then the actors are the ones that have yeah. the consistency they they know they're holding like the whole responsibility yeah. for keeping this together so so big props he, to Nimoy for that yeah he great. took he took it seriously I yeah, have to say it was great um, so one of the things that I, I loved was when we were talking about doing this a couple of weeks ago and I was telling you how um, Kitty and I are, are just such big fans of Bill mm-hmm. and how great he was. And you said, I love Bill. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, really, who doesn't love Bill now? Because he's everywhere. He's on TV all the time. Mm-hmm. He's always doing a million different things. One of the things we do on the show is kind of give the Bill news. Oh, yeah. And there's he's doing 17 things at once all the time. Yeah. He's doing Boston Legal. He's still writing and he's performing and he's doing these charity things and he's doing stuff for Star Trek and 
He's just got a million different things going on, and he's become such a cultural institution now mm-hmm. because he's you know seventy eight years old or whatever, mm-hmm. and, and I looked he's it up. Yeah. still going strong, and and ha- has his life packed with more stuff than most people do. Well, yeah, I, in, I went on know. Amazon to look for something Star Trek related, and one of these things came up, and it was like the seventh William Shatner science fiction <laughs> serial. Yeah, he writes them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, listen, his name's on. <laughs> it must be worth something. <laughs> At least to have his name on them. I'm like, how many did he have in this series? And I don't even, I haven't even seen one of them. Yeah. I mean, how how bad can it be? Or Probably how pretty bad, be? but he I, doesn't care. I mean, I, yeah. he he just he is constantly doing stuff, and we just love the fact that in Star Trek, whether it's in the series or in the movies, you know, Bill's in there trying, and he's given a hundred and ten percent in any episode. He he never just sits there and doesn't try no. he always felt like he was the center too yeah. i mean he felt like he was it was his responsibility i i think it ties in we just looked at the corbomite maneuver and there was another one that was very very early on he seemed so young mm. i mean i think he really was 34 and yeah, i think i think kirk was supposed to be 34 yeah, about that. Uh-huh. and and there in that corbomite maneuver they're talking about the young ensign who flips out <laughs> Very dramatically. Another Starfleet reject. <laughs> with, with not a lot of build-up, too. You know, he looks a little nervous, looks a little nervous, uh-huh. gets a worried look on his face, and then, bang! <laughs> he flips out. He starts, like, he's about to grab someone and shake them and say, well, I got to die! I mean, so, and and he looks to be about 32. Yeah. <laughs> and Captain Kirk is 34. And, they're ta- and he and McCoy later are talking about um, how young this ensign is yeah. and how he reminds uh, Kirk oh, of yes. himself yeah. when he was young. And, and it's like, well... You know, how long was Kirk supposed to be a, a, a starship captain? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's 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 kind of puzzling, but he he had the responsibility of an older man. That's mm-hmm. basically what it seemed to be. Mm-hmm. He was a young man. It was very exciting. It was in the future. So in the future, you can be 34 and act like you're 64, you know, yeah. like you like you have this weight of responsibility that's been on you for years and you're almost burned out at that point, mm-hmm. you know. I think a later episode has him kind of like almost throwing in the towel, you know, because he's been, he can hold the responsibility for all these crew members and and it's like, well, geez, how long have you been doing it for, buddy? You know, you're burned <laughs> out. Um, it's, 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 um, it's the seriousness of William Shatner taking that, you know, you can see the parallel of like, okay, here's a guy taking a, the responsibility for a series it's funny too that Star Trek, you know, Gene Roddenberry talks about this being this ensemble <laughs> and being, uh, and that paralleling like the way these actors work together and the way they're all different nationalities and different races and different uh, aliens and humans yeah. working together and this and the Star Trek world and yet with all this stuff about it being designed, you still have a guy at the center of it who is virtually taking it as the William Shatner show. <laughs> yes. And running with that. <laughs> yeah. And I think it would be weak. And if I was going to make any criticisms, I don't know whether your show does any criticism. <laughs> of course, of, we criticize things all the time. The next generation oh, you yes. know, shows, it's that it, it went too far in the opposite direction. Yeah. It went like it's anti-Shatner in mm-hmm. a way. So we invent all these things to make the show different from the original show, but we also take out the center, which is like a manic personality mm-hmm. who drives the whole thing with both his acting. I mean, I think he has a lot of acting skill. It's stagey, mm-hmm. but the show is stagey. Mm-hmm. The show looks like, you know, you're doing it in in, in somebody's local theater. You know, the, 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 the sets sound a little hollow mm-hmm. when people walk around on them and the rocks are styrofoam and... And you know that you have to carry it with acting, and he does. He he carries the show. I think 
I, I guess it wasn't wildly successful, you know, when it was on, but I think people noticed it and they noticed him and, mm-hmm. and that was because of his energy and yeah. him taking it so seriously. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's one of the things that, that both of us find unsatisfying about TNG is that the energy level just isn't there. Mm-hmm. And it certainly wasn't there at all for the first, like, two or three seasons mm-hmm. I think when they got a little further in and they let the actors loose yeah. a little bit more yeah, yeah Picard got... became more of a, a dynamic character and he he was allowed to have right. emotion right. and be you know a little more action oriented yeah. it got I, more, much more interesting I, I realized that because I got used to some of the later episodes and then I saw a, an early one and it was very so very very flat yeah. yeah it just nothing happens and they got I, I thought that they used Picard's character to a great extent as you say, is the opposite of Kirk, mm-hmm. but in a um, an interesting way. Like in TNG, I don't know if you remember this, but the Darmok episode. Mm, I don't so know this was an name. episode where Picard had to go down to a planet, and he and another captain from an alien race had to um, work together to solve a problem to prove that they could work together. And this other race spoke only in metaphor. <laughs> Okay. Which sounds stupid, Jeez, but I'd it like made, to see this episode. It's now. a great episode, uh-huh. and so they had this communication issue because mm-hmm. of you know the universal translator or whatever. Picard could understand his words, but didn't know what he was talking mm-hmm. about, and it took him the whole episode of being frustrated and trying as hard as he could. Now Picard's pretty smart, right, to mm-hmm. figure out what's going on, and then the two of them eventually do end up working together, and he figures out this language of metaphor, and and it it sort of works out in mm-hmm. the end. But, you know, that's an episode where you couldn't really have seen Kirk doing that because he wouldn't have taken the time yeah. to try to understand. He would have found some other... There's s- a different solution. Yeah, there's yeah. a different solution. The solution usually is something more like flamboyant. With a flying leg kick involved, probably. <laughs> or a karate and, chop to the neck. And maybe taking your shirt off maybe at some point. Maybe taking your shirt off. <laughs> but, but I thought that was one that really worked with Picard's character because it was mm-hmm. intellectual. Cerebral, but but yeah. there was there was some action and humanity in it, too. So anyway, that, that was really good for yeah. him. But, you know, that that's the thing about Kirk when you're when you're watching it he is so energetic and purposeful and mm-hmm. driven well yeah well the, the show always throws him some kind of challenge mm-hmm. right so the show is him you know it, it's uh, strange new worlds but mm-hmm. it's really Kirk encountering yeah. uh, a problem so you know that you can only push him so far before he reacts in some <laughs> way and that's the great thing it's like well how is he going to be tested mm-hmm. you know and and uh and uh, we just, we again, we just saw the Corbomite maneuver. So you know, you see the pressure builds, and and he 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 wipes his face a couple of times. And <laughs> a lot fast of business fo- going on fast there. Forwarding <laughs> through it, but he's very, you know, he's he he locks himself down in the command chair for mm-hmm. a moment, and then you know, the, he, so he he's there in the center, and the whole bridge is around him. You know, people are doing business in the background mm-hmm. at their stations. You know, consoling it up. <laughs> and, uh, Consoling each other, I guess, and um, he he the the lighting gets to a certain point, and then him and he and Bones uh, get into they this whisper at this, each this other incredibly staged argument. It's so bad it's where terrible. Bones kind of sneaks up behind him, you know, in this kind of over the giant left, stage whisper, <laughs> this satanic left shoulder. Or maybe it wasn't the right. It was I don't know, but but it's like. <laughs> He's he's upset because Shatner because because Kirk has promoted this ensign too fast. Right, right. And, uh, and I, I, I'm going to recommend against you that I told you not to do it, and then you give it anyway. <laughs> and Kirk is back over his shoulder, going, <laughs> and 
and uh, bluff, bluff, bluff is comes up. That's uh-huh. what you get out of it. That is bluffing. If you think about bluffing, I'm not bluffing. Okay, you're not bluffing. Uh-huh. Then, then of course the light bulb. Goes yeah, on. And, and then and there's a pause, and then there's a reaction shot, and then they go back to Shatner, and there's a reaction shot, and 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 you see coming over him this this poker. It's just poker <laughs> comes to him. It's not chess, Spock. It's poker. <laughs> and and how it, it's a you know I would watch that for, just for that. Yeah. It's a thing, you know. It's it's a it's a beautiful thing, the acting. It is. <laughs> it's it's, great it's Shatner acting. Yeah. Um, he makes the most of it because he puts the pause in be- before the word he, poker. He just he does. He just. It's puts not chess. It's poker. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and the, and no one else, you know, for this highly trained crew, okay. he leads that crew mm-hmm. because hardly anybody can even keep up with him. Mm-hmm. He'll, you know, listen. He was making up Corbamite, and even <laughs> Spock was looking at him like. <laughs> and uh, that's my um what's the professor on on the cartoon what, what is the cartoon with uh where the guy goes in the future and um uh, futurama futurama <laughs> yeah i'm sorry i blanked out for a second when, professor zoidberg no no the, the old guy the old oh, oh. <laughs> fox's um great 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 descendant yeah, yeah. yes he goes <laughs> like that i use that a lot now too many repeats on that one. That, uh, um, so the the next thing I remember, um, just historic chronologically speaking, um, was I started to buy Star Trek crap um, mm-hmm. right before the first movie came out, and and I've been showing a lot of it and scanning some stuff to show to people, and I have a giant Star Trek crossword puzzle that was on the wall in my room. You may remember that. Mm, yes. Um, and I used to buy the Star Trek poster magazines that you could mm-hmm. get that had beautiful pictures in them mm-hmm. and various other things. And the newsletter that came out that told you all the cool stuff that was happening. Okay. And then I remember very specifically going to see the movie with you. Okay. And how excited I was when we were sitting there in the theater and it was all black. Mm. And then it came on and Shatner was going... Space, the final frontier. <laughs> I really wanted to jump out of my chair. I was so excited that it was that it was back, you know. Yeah. After seeing all those reruns and hearing about it and hearing about it and hearing about it, and finally they made a movie. You know, we're it. almost spoiled about that kind of stuff because in the in the culture now, the there are no really really long waits. Mm-hmm. Things come back, and then you know they when when a really good movie is made, you know there's going to be a sequel. Mm-hmm. There's not even a question about it. So. The excitement level when it comes back is, you know, not not the same. But this was a this was a real thing. Mm-hmm. This was a thing that they're making. It, it seemed to, well, first of all, the idea that it was a TV show and you were going to make a movie out of it that's seemed, crazy. It crazy talk. Crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> like that that just doesn't happen. And and the fact that they would do it and and you just and then we didn't know what kind of movie it was going to be. I remember it being very exciting. And very long. Very long. I remember it being <laughs> long, even while we were watching it. But but. What's funny is that the the highlight of the movie was the the when the Enterprise travels the length of of V'ger. Mm-hmm. That perspective is something you can never get on TV, right? You, they tried it with the Corbin Light maneuver mm-hmm. and stuff like that. It's a mile around. Mm-hmm. Um, that was very dramatic, but but that was the dramatically that was to me the highlight of the movie was was the scale of things that the enterprise is going along the outside of this thing mm-hmm. and it take i think it's a i think it's a, is it like 10 minutes from one yeah, from one end to the other really far. a lot of stuff happens during that but that that trip is kind of what tells you it, it gives you the perspective of where we are in the universe you know the the tv shows and even fiction has to Everything has to kind of figure out a way to jump over the realities of space, right? So, um, 
it's really far from one star to another, and it's really far from one side of the galaxy <laughs> to another, and you have to invent ways to make that not be true, mm-hmm. you know? So you have, you transport people, you know, with transporters, and you have warp drives and, and wormholes and all kinds of things. But basically, when you get a real feeling of the scale of something, then then that's really good for me, you know? That's, that tells you what we really are, that we're tiny little people, and even a big ship like the Enterprise mm-hmm. is really like a really small thing. Um, and, and that's a good, that, that's an exciting thing. So yeah, there was a lot of, there was a lot of excitement in the movie, you know, it, going to see it and, and, and it being an event, mm-hmm. an event for us. And I guess you felt like, you know, th- it was an event for other people too, Star Trek fans. I yeah. think and maybe, maybe at that, at that time, was it, I guess, was it less goofy to be a Star Trek fan? I don't know. I, I really don't know. Um, um, wh- where was where was the where were conventions and stuff at well, that time? So I remember that um, there was a Star Trek convention in New York. I think it was the first really big one. Okay. And we didn't go to it, but I kind of remember that we were maybe we were in New York at the same time. Like we had gone mm. in to do something else at the same time that this convention was there. And there were all these people. It was yeah. at the New York it's the Statler Hilton or something. It's like mm-hmm. huge amounts of people and stuff. So I think that they were just starting to have big cons at that time. Yeah. But um, I, I think at that time it was still very much a cult show. Yeah. Like it, it was more popular, but to be really, really into it was a thing that nobody else kind of knew about. Yeah, so it was a little off the radar yeah. of, of that kind of thing. Yeah. I think Star Wars and Star Trek kind of both got that idea of going to conventions mm-hmm. and dressing up in costumes as more, you know, uh, a, a well-known thing for being kind of goofy. And, mm-hmm. I mean, fun and goofy, but yeah. 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 Um and I, you know, I can't remember. Um, I guess the reaction ultimately to the first movie was that it was it was disappointing for most people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I remember it being that the thinking was for the fans was that that was the way it should have been. That the, mm. that the show a lot like a lot of the third season very televisiony kind of shows that it should have been more like the movie. That the movie had the space to stretch out and. The acting style was a little bit different, um, but it, it wasn't, you know, Kirk down on a planet punching it out with someone. <laughs> that was the idea, mm-hmm. you know. And then, of course, I guess ultimately people kind of missed what was special about mm-hmm. the show, mm-hmm. too. So there were two things. It's like, well, we wanted Star Trek to evolve, and so it did evolve into this first movie, but ultimately we were missing something else, right. too. And so, then they made the second movie. So the, the second movie was the answer to that. So there was a lot of excitement in that. There's a lot of Kirk. <laughs> you know, it's just, I'm making the face. You know? God. I love the so second movie. When people do that, their bottom teeth show a lot. Yeah. You know? It's like a dog thing. Um, <laughs> Uh, I was um, talking with my my friend Logan, and he watched the second movie, which he said that he had seen parts of, but had never seen it from beginning really? to end. And he grew up as a TNG fan because that was his time, mm-hmm. you know, when he was thinking. And he said, "That was such a good movie." And I was like, "Yeah, it is a great movie, isn't it? It's a really good movie. In yeah. addition to being a good Star Trek movie, it's a great movie mm-hmm. because it has a beginning, a middle, and an end, and it has a conflict, and it has a lot of excitement and." these two protagonists who are fighting against each other and right. the bad guy's not totally evil, right? Like, mm-hmm. you, you know that he's got some reason, even though he's crazy, mm-hmm. for doing what he did and there's personal danger involved and there's just so much good about that movie and it's really fun. Yeah, and, and it really cuts down to, to the heart of, like, you know, people uh, really, are, their lives are really threatened. Too. Yeah. You don't know. I mean, I think people die right at the beginning mm-hmm. and, uh, and and it's kind of, you know, it's it's... 
it's different than other. It was different than the way the show dealt with people getting killed or, and and being in in threatening situations. And the first movie was different too, but this one was like, whoa, that you know, this is kind of you know, I don't know where it's going to go. Yeah, you know, who's who's going to survive the movie? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I guess by the time we're actually seeing the movie, we kind of maybe knew what was going to happen at the end. I don't know, but but uh, yeah, there was a lot of that kind of excitement of um, of uh, wondering. Where they were really going to be headed with this, and how mm-hmm. like how scary was it going to be? Yeah. You know, who's going to who's going to survive and who wasn't? So it was good. Yeah, it was good. Now, um, as so, my history then was, okay. I mean, going to see the movies. Mm-hmm. I can't remember if we actually saw any of those other movies together. Mm, I don't think so. Probably not. Um, and then when I moved out to California, um, watching TNG a lot just because it happened to be on, mm-hmm. and they were by that time into I think the third or fourth season, so I didn't have to sit through the first couple where. They were dumb, and Wesley mm. saved the ship every time. Oh, it see, was, it just <laughs> that, here's my other problem with TNG <laughs> is that, you know a teenage character. Okay, well, you know there were no kids. There were a few kids in stories of the mm-hmm. original series, but um, they there was a purpose to have them on there, and, and kind of you know we knew that there did we know there were children on the Enterprise in the first season. I think they might have. I mentioned mean, in the first in the first series, no, or, no, there were no kids. Um, so we knew that there were, I don't know, 400 people mm-hmm. on the Enterprise, but um, that wasn't the idea that there were families right. living there. There right? were people who could be married, right. like in the, the um, Aaron, not Aaron of Mercy, the um, the one with the Romulans, uh, Balance of Terror, uh-huh. right? The very beginning of the episode is a wedding between those right, two people. Right, right, right. So there could be married people. Right. But I think the understanding was that they, they wouldn't be having kids while they mm-hmm. were in Starfleet. Like right. They would leave and go do something else. So the next generation had um, a very much established that there were families, families and yeah. children mm-hmm. and there was school and stuff like that. And then Wesley was there because of that, he was like a young... Yeah, because his mother was the... Right, but yeah. he was so smart that he was like given more opportunity. Yeah, I think so. And and so, but but from a standpoint of making a TV show, they thought that that would appeal to teens by putting a really geeky teen... Well, so the things that there? I have heard about TNG was that basically... And a bad actor. And a bad Well, yeah. you know, Will Wheaton was told to do certain things yeah. as an actor and I like him a lot and he has a lot of stories to tell really? about what it was like to work on that and apparently it was very very hard for him because the directors and the writers in general hated his character <laughs> and you know gave him a lot of crap for mm-hmm. it and didn't really let him do what he could have done and he was never happy with the way his character was supposed to fit into the right. Star Trek universe he had a lot of other ideas about what it would actually be like to be a teenager mm-hmm. which would have been a lot more interesting mm-hmm. than what they did with it but um, because People have said that the Wesley Crusher character was introduced basically as a vanity thing for Gene Roddenberry oh. because his character's name is um, Wesley, so it's Wesley Eugene Crusher, and Gene Roddenberry's name is Gene Wesley Roddenberry. So he even gave it his own name, so he, and it was kind of like his wish fulfillment. Oh, if I had been a teenager on the Enterprise, this uh, is what it would have been uh, like for him. me. Mm. And everybody, he was very insistent that that's the way that that kid should be, that he mm. should be a genius and be really annoying and have to save the ship every time. And nobody wanted that, but he insisted that that's mm. the way it should be. Yeah. It's funny, too, because it only it very much doesn't go with the tone of, to me, of the... Um, Picard and and the conflicts that they were having were not the same kind of thing where you'd want to 
have this perspective of a teenager mm-hmm. with his own kind of internal problems. I yeah. mean, what maybe after seven seasons, you do want to <laughs> explore the individual characters, but you know, he, he shows up with a prescribed set of, exactly. of issues. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's, because we have to inject it into the show. Yeah. And I, I think there were a couple episodes where it was good that, he, you know, I, where he was good in it. And, mm-hmm. and I remember that, but I just, for the most part, I, it doesn't interest me, I guess much. You know? Yeah. Well, it, it was, it was very artificial and, and very mm-hmm. Forced, I think, and just about everybody, including Will Wheaton, felt that way about mm-hmm. it. And they finally did get to a point where they did have stuff for him to do mm-hmm. that was more in keeping with the show. And he was older, and it seemed more natural to have a kid who was 18 yeah. to be doing stuff rather right. than a kid who was 15 yeah. to be doing stuff. And yeah. that made a huge difference. Yeah. But I hated that. I remember complaining to people about it. It's like, oh, Wesley saved the ship again <laughs> because the rest of the crew of the Enterprise, the, you know, the, the, um, flagship mm-hmm. in Starfleet, they're too stupid to figure it out, right? <laughs> Picard and, and all the other guys on the yeah. ship, they're too dumb. Wesley has to figure well, it out. Well, the other thing is, too, I mean, we I, I talked to you about this before, but the especially the very early episodes of the original series is um, uh, the model to me seems, uh, this was happening during the Vietnam War, but mm-hmm. the model, like a reassuring model for the Enterprise was almost like a World War II battleship in mm-hmm. a way. They're, although they're supposed to be explorers, they have a very militaristic kind of way of doing it. They have this very rigid set of responsibilities on the bridge, and you know, early Spock is shouting out the orders <laughs> yes. like no one can hear him on ten feet away. But um, and Kirk again, he's a thirty-four-year-old guy that seems to be like a man with forty years of experience, mm-hmm. you know, running some huge thing, uh, and um, later on, you know, the, the idea that. The, the next generation doesn't seem to be, I, I guess it's good that it's not as militaristic in its like attitudes and stuff, but it's it, the, the emphasis seems to be much more on the relationships between the people. Mm. And, you know, they're all, they all seem to be finding their, well, they wind up all having interrelationships mm-hmm. that develop over the show, much more like a family or coworkers mm-hmm. than, than a, a, an army unit. So, I mean, I like the fact that, you know, that there's a rapport between Bones and Spock and McCoy, but it it didn't drive the series. It it rode along the top mm-hmm. of the series. The storylines with you know who's falling in love with who on on the next generation, and you know uh, that seems to be the reason for some of the stories themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, like how are we going to explore the relationship between these people, and, and especially in a romantic way, and and all, these characters are all going to come with individual issues that they they bring to the things like well. It's so, it seems soft to me, you know. I mean, Star Trek is hard science fiction in a way, mm-hmm. and uh, action adventure too. And I'm, this, the next generation is not the same thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, I guess I miss some of the hard stuff. Um, the uh, and what bugs me about the episode with uh, Scotty coming back mm-hmm. out of the warp loop that the the teleporter loop that he's in, right? They they have the Dyson sphere that they're in orbit around, which is the greatest science fiction concept that people invent. And they even say, this is the greatest concept <laughs> that you know they ever had in the 20th century, a thing called the Dyson Sphere. Mm-hmm. And uh, they spend a couple of special effects shots on it and don't go anywhere with mm-hmm. it, or the race that left it behind. It's all about Scotty coming back and pushing buttons on the Enterprise like a little kid wrecking it. You mm-hmm. know, He actually, I think, starts to put the warp engines <laughs> into like overdrive or something just by randomly pressing buttons around you shouldn't be allowed to do that you know even though he's scotty his character in effect changes into like a next generation character Mm. rather than you know a very you know uh 
in the original series, he knew what he was. You know, he was he was the he was the engineer guy. He had his role to do. There was no nonsense. You know, the the there was a lot of nonsense sometimes in the next generation, <laughs> even for humor or something. No, I I agree. And um, what they did that I thought was actually interesting was the next series after TNG was Deep Space Nine, right. which I loved. Mm. And Deep Space Nine, they actually took the concept of having it be character driven, and that was the reason for that existing. Yeah. It was very little hard science in DS Nine. Yeah. Yeah. It was all about these relationships and power structures struggles and mm-hmm. things going on but that was the context of that show and it really worked for that show mm-hmm. and if you didn't like it then go watch something else they right. weren't going to try right. and, and say well it's about hard science but you know they never mm-hmm. even pretended it was like that right, right. it was like you know starfleet was almost played down mm-hmm. to the extent that it was this you know place that was out in the middle of nowhere and there weren't a lot of rules mm-hmm. going on and when starfleet did show up it was like what are you doing here mm-hmm. you know we have our own thing going on. You know, and my memory of that, because it's not shown that much, my memory of it being originally on is there were some episodes that I really liked and were very exciting. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I think I wound up missing much of the longer arc stories, mm-hmm. and, and uh, I just didn't get, get to lost. follow it. Yeah, yeah if you I weren't did. following it, by the time it got around to the end of it, yeah. if you didn't know what was going on, it made no sense yeah, whatsoever. Yeah. yeah. That was tough. Yeah. And then, um, I don't know if you ever watched Voyager. Um, I did watch Voyager, yes. Did um, you like Voyager? Um, you know, I, I like that actress, Kate, Ka- yeah, Kate, Kate Mulgrew. Mulgrew. Um, and um, <laughs> I, I find that, the, <laughs> I always tell people that the most dramatic thing that happened was her hairstyle changed. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> from the bun well, yeah. to the non-bun. She got her hair cut. <laughs> That's like a very memorable <laughs> thing in the show. But but it's, it. that's a, I, I like the... Um, I, I like the idea of the, of the setup. That show had an end. That was, and I think you knew that it was going towards that at some point. Mm-hmm. And so when that show finally ended, it had and it had a real end. It it was like the fulfillment of what they started mm-hmm. with. So it was different from the other shows in that way. So I kind of appreciated that for for what it was. Mm-hmm. I think it also took a lot of liberties with the 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 rules and everything and, and the physics of whatever you want to call it, the hard science yeah. physics of it. They were playing around then at, at that point. Anything could be almost anything at that. And, yeah. and that part, you know, was like a little bit weak, I guess. The thing that bugged me about the first season of Voyager, which I watched just to see if I was going to like it, mm. was that there were at least six or seven episodes where um, they thought they were going to get back. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, this is the first season. They're not going to get back. <laughs> <laughs> That's the whole point of the show, is that they're not back. Yeah, so yeah. they're not, like, by definition, in the first season, they are not going to get back. Yeah. So why are you even bothering to build a plot around? Maybe we're going to get back. It, it's true that the dramatic, yeah, dramatically speaking, they had a, a much bigger story arc that they were yeah. supposed to be working in, and and t- the disappointment for me was that there was there was uh, not a clear sense of there going to be progress on the way back. It was almost going to be like it's always impossible for them to get back, and then very dramatically at the end, they're going to be back. <laughs> But it's not going to be that they actually traveled any real distance Mm -hmm. from one place to another. Um, They were in unknown space, uncharted space, and then they wound up being like in some space that was a little bit charted. (laughs) And then then well charted. And then they got back, yeah. So, so yeah, I I would like to see something that would have been... I, I don't know. Again, they didn't even have like a like a race against time and resources. Really, the, that's the the disappointing thing about the major storyline. Mm-hmm. I liked that that there was going to be a real ending and that they would get back. But but yeah, the it being like one, you know, kind of a, um, 
I guess, a contest to see if they could make it and survive wasn't really there in, in the big story. Uh, at least that I'm aware of. Mm-hmm. So that's my take on it. Yeah, I think that's right. And and did you ever watch Enterprise? I, I only started watching Enterprise. I watched the first couple, and um, it was... Um, it, it was not as exciting as the original <laughs> series. I don't want to criticize it too much because I liked the ideas of that too. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it didn't have the, the actors to me didn't have the flair that um, that they could have. Uh, they they were trying, but um, you know what? Maybe it didn't. The Enterprise. You know, um, I guess maybe by this time I've pictured a different beginning. The captain was Scott Bakula. Yeah. I loved him in Quantum Leap. I used to watch that all yeah, the time. Yeah, that was a good show. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I did like him in that. Um, he had a dog. <laughs> right. So to me, whenever there's a dog, it, the, the, is, is the dog going to make it through the show, right? <laughs> because it's an easy thing right. to have a dramatic moment it's somewhere dog in, in jeopardy. where the dog's going to die, and then you're going to have to... So I don't like that. I don't, you know, any movie that has a dog in it, I have to know whether the dog's mm-hmm. going to live or die. I didn't even want to watch... Uh, we have a lot of pets in our family, so like the, the pet thing is like mm-hmm. something that we have to go through a lot. And you know, pets don't live forever, and it's very sad. So, like when they remade King Kong, mm. if I didn't go see it in the movies, even though I like uh, mm. you know the Mr. Lord of the Rings, there. Yeah. <laughs> um, if he had had Kong live, mm-hmm. I would have gone to see it mm. in the movies. But I knew how it was going to end, and I knew it was going to be very sad for me mm. personally. To see the big monkey die, uh-huh. so I didn't go see it, um, and then I saw it on TV, and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't what I had hoped it would be. Either. So anyway, that's a different story. So, so yeah, there was weird things about about that show, um, but as an actor, I think he he had a lot of different things that he was able to do. And when they did their mirror mirror episodes, he was really nasty. I think in those last episodes, when when he was like the 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 evil guy, and of course there was a, there was a much stronger sexual element to mm. some of this stuff. And um, I, I like that. It had a different tone. It was, uh, if you want to say any science fiction could be more realistic, it was more realistic, I guess, dramatically. Um, and that's just the way modern TV shows can be, I guess. They, can, they don't have to be so, um, you know, hit 17 high notes before the next commercial mm-hmm. comes up. You know, they can be a little more flexible about that. So I, I liked some of those last ones. Um, they did. They did some weird Nazi stuff too, where they went to a planet and I, there were aliens yeah. that had been like trying to redo a timeline. Yeah, it and, got um, very complicated. Yeah, it was very complicated. But uh, the, uh, there were a couple moments that were that were uh, that were hit. I, I watched a couple of the episodes and and I liked them. I, they were surprising. You know, it, it was already. I had already kind of said, well, this isn't what. This isn't one of my favorite things, but then when I went back and watched a few and I liked them, I was pleasantly surprised. So that's why they stand out in my memory. The thing that bugged me, I, so I watched some, but I couldn't really mm-hmm. get into it, so it was not on my prescribed list of things to watch with that. Um, from all the summaries I was reading, they took huge liberties with the, the Trek universe and mm-hmm. Trek canon so that if you believed everything that happened in Enterprise... TOS could never have happened the way TOS happened, and mm. the things that they said that were true in TOS could never have been true. So as an example of this, you know, when we're in the universe of TOS and we meet Spock, 
Nobody knows anything about Vulcan. <laughs> it's a complete opaque mystery. Nobody knows what's going on when they go down there. You know, it's like, oh, this is the first time people have been here and all this. I mean, don't say that, but it's very strongly implied that yeah. it's a big secret. But yet, in Enterprise, they go down, they're spending months down there, they're meeting all these people, and things are happening, and well, they're finding the, out the secrets of Vulcan. It's like, well, how did that happen? That was an interesting thing that they, and that came from the last, one of the last movies, right? Where yeah. it turned out that Vulcans were the ones that kind of ushered us into. Yeah. Yeah, the first contact, which is a very cool concept. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I like that. But and, and the movie leaves it still as Vulcans being a mystery. Yes. Yes. So when you expand on that and you make it very much like that Vulcan played a huge role in a development, it is kind of strange to think that they're going to again remain mysterious. Yeah. While at the same time they're with us all the time and everywhere. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I know it makes it complicated. Yeah, it so definitely does. I have to say that um, I'm I'm very much like one of those uh, canon Nazis. Mm-hmm. You know, like don't mm-hmm. change the canon. Yeah. If it happened in TOS, it's canon. Well, you know Please what? Please don't the, mess around with yeah, it. Yeah, you know what? The, why for me too? Um, Leonard Nimoy um, was a good Vulcan. Okay, mm-hmm. he was uh, he was good as a Vulcan, and that's what I mean. Not he was a good <laughs> Vulcan. There, I know there are probably good and bad Vulcans, but um, if they have a logical <laughs> reason to be bad, then they can be bad. And and his father was was uh, good as he was a Vulcan, fantastic, yeah. yeah. So and then I don't remember a lot of other actors that were able to be Vulcan mm-hmm. and and really kind of pull it off to me. So um, the fact that they don't smile doesn't necessarily make them good Vulcan. <laughs> and and you know I, it just it doesn't work for me. A lot of the Vulcan stuff, um, it wasn't I guess alien enough. Mm-hmm. You know they they weren't acting that. That Vulcany. I completely agree. I, I watched the um, the finale of uh, Enterprise. I taped it and watched it. I thought it was a very bad episode, mm-hmm. just because it as a finale it didn't work for me. Like mm-hmm. they tried to wrap up too many loose right. ends and mm-hmm. stuff got. And the behavior of the Vulcan to Paul mm-hmm. wasn't acting like a Vulcan at all. Right. She was acting like somebody else. Yeah. And it's like, come on, if this it, is the the character who's the Vulcan, you got to act like tough. a Vulcan. It's tough to. It's funny to to try to act both. Uh, less emotional and more intelligent. Yeah. I don't know if... Uh, I, I assume that, that um, Leonard Nimoy is... Uh, I think we know this. Leonard Nimoy is a bright guy. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he may be more intelligent than William Shatner. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <laughs> so so he could be like the character without a lot of effort. It feels like when people are acting like Vulcans that they're acting with a lot of effort, mm-hmm. you know. They're toning their voice down to a certain level and modulating and they're trying to act smart. Mm-hmm. And it just it doesn't work. I, it's like yeah. I guess maybe 29-year-old actresses who are, you know, doing regular roles if you suddenly say, "Okay, now I want you to be a Vulcan." They really are on very loose footing <laughs> and sliding down a slope, you know. They're trying but you're telling them to try to be smart, you know, act smart, <laughs> and and don't you know, don't act, you know, I don't know, don't act like a human. They don't know where to go with it, I they guess. Don't know where to go. But yeah, that's that's a disappointment. So of course, when the movie, when Star Trek comes out, so that's the next thing. I mean, I I don't know what to expect. Do? I have no idea what to expect. I have heard. So the rumor that I heard was that um, Kevin Smith. Mm. Um, has seen a lot of what was filmed already. He thinks it's going to be good. Okay. He's a big geek. Mm-hmm. He's a big Star Trek right. fan. So I sort of kind of trust his opinion. Um, but I don't know where they're going to take this and how they plan on being true to TOS mm-hmm. and what those characters were, but yet going back in time. 
and creating something new and interesting and vibrant and yeah. that we're going to believe. I mean, I saw some of the pictures and uh, the guy who's going to be a uh, Spock. Yeah, Zachary looks, Quinto. He looks, looks great. Like he yeah, could be yeah. a Spock, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, the, the story has to be about them, but it has to be about a lot more than just them. Mm-hmm. And that was the thing about Star Trek is that the, when the original show came out, you knew that and for an 11 year old it was all about them it was all about being on on a spaceship mm-hmm. and that was the exciting part but the shows were trying to be they're trying to put that as the baseline that they were in outer space and then build something on top of that that was the whole dramatic idea of it mm-hmm. and and it worked on many levels and you know it didn't always work perfectly but but so for kids, you know, just watching outer space stuff was good. And then for adults, they could actually watch these stories. And they made sense, like, you know, reading the Constitution. <laughs> <laughs> e plugmista, right. whatever the guy says. What does that guy say? That's exactly what he says. <laughs> e plugmista. <laughs> I love it. See, I haven't seen that in like 15 years. And it made a big impression on yes. me. Um, and and so, so the stories were about... About way more, you know, um, and and people knew it, and you know, either you went with it or you didn't go with it. So, so the movie, you can't just like show up as a movie. It has to be, you know, it has to be. I would it seems to me like it has to be a lot like the original series. You know, you have to put this thing so. in there, make these people instantly like real, and then you got to do something really good with them. They better on not. Top of that. They better not go find God because I'm tired of that plot. <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> well, you know, it's the, been like two movies and five episodes, the, and the, I'm tired of it. The God one where they stepped off the, where the Enterprise pulled up and parked, <laughs> like next to a what did it pull up next to a, a rocky? It was in um, the five, right? Was, was it the undiscovered country? The, or the, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. It was and the they, one that Shatner directed. And they, they actually, they actually <laughs> opened a door yeah. and stepped out on the hull and walked <sighs> off the front of the Enterprise. Yes. I mean, you know, okay, this is all crazy. This is crazy <laughs> stuff, right? I know that. But then when they actually were going to meet God, I do remember the, some of that being done as it being a little bit good. I don't know what about it that, you know, I, I'm not sure if we, if was it established that that really wasn't God? Okay, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> because In five, yes. In my mind, it might really have been. I don't know. But... I don't know. There was something about that that I liked. Yeah, it's too, too many God episodes. I know there have been I just know. so. I, I would like some it of them to be work for me. Else. Yeah, it, I would like that. Too. I mean, the, the Who Mourns for Adonais was a great episode right. because it was about a God mm-hmm. and what happens when a God comes to the end of its natural right. whatever because people don't believe in him anymore. That was great. You yeah. know, that was interesting and exciting, and it yeah. was and Kirk was, versus he, a God. And, and he was a real character, right? Yeah. He wasn't just a, a generic. No, God. He, he was, was like an alien character. that was yeah. there, and it was great. So that that kind of thing they can definitely mm-hmm. do, but addressing like bigger amorphous questions yeah. like is there really a god? Like, uh. um, well, my my when they said it was going to be like you know Star Trek at the Academy mm-hmm. though that first thing really th- that made it seem like you know it was Starfleet nine hundred two one zero. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so the, the people are going to be really young, yeah. and there's going to be you know uh, love affairs and mm-hmm. you know uh, all this. So that didn't interest me at all. So this is somewhere in between those. It things. has to be because they're including characters like Uhura and Sulu. And if it really was at the academy, when Kirk was at the academy, Sulu and Uhura would be like twelve. Right. So, so that wouldn't work. So, so it so has to be sometime later. after that. Yeah. But they're you know it's still establishing stuff. So. Yeah, I guess I have deliberately trying not to read too much about it because I don't yeah. want to spoil it for myself. Yeah. So we'll see. But Bill's not in it because they didn't ask well, him. Apparently, yeah. I don't know. No, that was funny too because I think I, I don't think he thought he was going to be in it. Really, did, did you get that idea? There I mean, were. I, I think he and Leonard thought that they would be asked, both of them, 
Mm-hmm. And Leonard was and agreed to do some right. small bit right. that's in it. And I don't think it's really clear what happened with Bill, mm-hmm. whether they asked him and they couldn't agree on what he was supposed to do or they didn't go through the right channels or mm-hmm. he made some demand and they didn't want to agree. I, I think that nobody is really telling the truth about mm-hmm. that right now. But, but as far as we know, he's not in it. But what you know, it's funny when you think of him right now. So, so Shatner has established himself as as a basically. It seems impossible at the time, but he he he's, has a self deprecating kind of humor, yes. right? Oh yes. Which seems impossible for the guy who was known for taking himself so seriously when mm-hmm. he was younger. Yeah. Now he he's known for not taking himself seriously. I don't know how he made that transition. It's a miracle. Whether, <laughs> but did he really not take himself seriously when he was younger, or I, wh- what happened? I think I think he did take himself very seriously. When did he stop taking himself? Was it after T.J. Hooker? Because I I don't know. I think a lot of things happened in his well, personal life that kind of yeah, showed yeah. him what. And I don't know if you ever read this book, but um, he one of his many books that mm. that Bill has written. He's written thousands of books because um, mm. he just has to do these <laughs> things because he doesn't like to lose. Um, he wrote a book called Get a Life, which was about his re-entry into the world of Star Trek fandom. Uh-huh. It's a great book, I have to say, and it sounds like he actually wrote this book instead mm. of having somebody else write it for him. And he talks a lot about how it was a big deal for him to acknowledge the fact that Trek fandom was a good thing. Mm-hmm. He had avoided it for so long because it was like, oh, those crazy people, they're so fixated on me when I was doing this thing 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And when he actually saw what fandom was about, I think it, it changed him in, in a way, like really changed William Shatner in a way. Mm-hmm. And he had a whole different view of what he'd done and why people were really into the series and him and all yeah. that. And I think that was actually a part of him pulling back and learning to not, to take that step back from himself and not take mm. things so seriously. And I actually think that was a big part of that switch. Yeah. And that happened uh, like in the late 80s. The great thing is, I mean, you we know that he had, he had fantastic timing as an actor mm-hmm. and he had this way of doing humorous stuff. He, he got it. Like mm-hmm. he got what was funny. And that's kind of weird for a guy who obviously took the dramatic part like so ultra seriously mm-hmm. that he could pull off that like the lighter like humorous touches too. Um, so I guess that side of him now is what you see mm-hmm. so often. You see him able to to like poke fun at himself and and uh, but but and use his his timing his dramatic timing for comedy. Yeah. That's what happens. Even in the, the commercials when he's only really on the screen yeah. for about 15 seconds, he does like really good things he as is. far as, he's, you know, delivering his, his messages. He and stuff. totally has his acting skills right yeah. up front. And I watch Boston Legal. Yeah. I don't actually watch the whole show. I just, Kitty tapes it for us uh-huh. and um, we, we fast forward through the plot and we just watch the part that Bill is in because uh-huh. that's really the only thing. <laughs> Him and Spader are great together. Yeah, yeah. And, and he's done a really amazing thing and, and you know he's won Emmys now, two Emmys for that role um, because he's able to go from doing the comedy stuff to some very serious stuff effortlessly. And mm. it's not the kind of acting you usually see on TV. He mm. really brings this depth and experience to a character that started off as kind of a one-note joke. Mm-hmm. And it's he's made it much more deep and complex. And to see him go from one to the other really quickly and use that skill and timing and everything is really mm-hmm. just amazing to watch. And, and the weird thing is, too, I mean, he, he has a notorious reputation of being not good with the other actors mm-hmm. and I guess with the writers too but I mean the writers are the ones that supply this stuff yeah. whether he inspires them somehow they give him like some little thing and he does like something really good with it mm-hmm. and that makes the writers go 
wow, you know, let's yeah. do this again. Yeah. But uh, you don't know whether he's doing, like he ha- actually is establishing personal relationships or it's all professional. Like I it's don't all know. business. Well, so. Uh, that's fascinating. I, I, I don't know. And I think because he's such an icon now, a lot of it is probably people who are fans just mm-hmm. like, oh, I want to write for William Shatner. Yeah. Um, the day that we got to go and visit the Boston Legal set, we got to see them film a little bit of it. And Bill's such a professional, you know, they have to do like eight or ten takes and he's just there for every take. Mm. It's so boring, and he has to say the same words over and over again. And yet, for every take that they did of this one scene, he said his lines a little bit differently. Mm. Every time you could see, he was thinking about it, mm. and he gave it just a little twist so that they could pull from the eight or ten takes to figure out which one was really going to work best. Mm. And that's the kind of thing that the writers must just love. You know, yeah, like they'll yeah. they'll take a, a line, a simple line, and and spin it so many different ways. He's trying, yeah. yeah. So, so uh, of course. You know, even early Star Trek days, um, we're, I'm aware, of course, that, you know, he's in, like, the two great Twilight Zone episodes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? The diner one. Yeah, we just watched that one and, recently. And the plane. He's so good, yeah. The gremlin one, yeah. right? And, yeah, he in the diner one, he's, like, so, to me, so convincing. It's It's, like, I mean... What makes that episode creepy? It's not, you know, the set. You know, it, it looks like a diner and there's just like this thing with the, you know, with the fortunes mm-hmm. coming out. But the actors are the ones that make this thing work. Mm-hmm. And that was very, very early on. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, in comparison, the plane thing is like a manic, you know, yeah. nightmare. But, but listen, as a little kid, I had, there was a, there was a time I'm watching this Twilight Zone episode. I didn't know that the next, when they had that shot where he, like, I guess he raises the the thing on the plane window and, oh, the, right. and the thing is right there before you just see it out in yeah, the wing. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like right there. I think I jumped out of my skin. <laughs> I, I just, I, I remember that as being one of the scariest things that I've ever seen. And, and you know, it has to be a little bit because the actors are making it work. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I think that's true. You know, we've seen so much stuff that Bill has done over the years because we've tried really hard to see different things that he's done. And his early work in general was really good, and he mm. did some terrible things. I mean, like, he would just take these jobs mm. on terrible TV shows with ridiculous scripts, oh. and, you know, they're Bill a, working so he hard. He was in a couple of Columbos, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, I think, with little horrible mustache. Y- yeah, and, yeah. So, but, but pre-Trek, you know, he, he worked really yeah. hard trying to get those things done, and then post that, he just took whatever he could get. And mm. in these awful, awful movies that we've seen... You know, we watched um, the movie that he did in Esperanto. Oh, I don't know so, anything about Yeah, that. so he wanted to be in this movie, and it's completely done with the actors speaking Esperanto with mm-hmm. English subtitles, and he's great in it. <laughs> it doesn't make It's a plot that doesn't make any sense or anything, but he is, you know, you just see him on the screen, and he's really engaging, and you believe what he's doing, and he makes it sound like he's... He knows what he's saying, that he's not just phonetically kind of mouthing these really? words. Yeah. And he does that? Sort of, you know. <laughs> There's always a little bit of that in there. <laughs> a little staccato yeah. timing in Esperanto. <laughs> Spock. But we just love Bill. Bill's so great. And and he keeps saying in these interviews that um, he keeps working because he knows as long as he keeps working, he won't die. <laughs> That's very true. You know, he could have kept himself in a slightly better shape, though. I mean, And he knows that, yes. <laughs> I mean, maybe that would help him last longer, too. That's right. I mean, the guy, you know, I mean, he he's like this little round character is, now, which is, is kind of sad, well, because I still look at him and I see, I, even, in, even in the, like, the kind of pudgy nose yeah. and cheeks, I still see this heroic 
kind of guy. Well, in there. he certainly thinks of himself that way. <laughs> but um, he 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 had hip replacement surgery, oh, and really? he actually lost some weight following that. Um, and we were speculating. He looks pretty good mm-hmm. now. The last couple of times I've seen him, he did lose considerable weight right here in his mm-hmm. tummy. But um, we decided that the way his doctor got him to lose weight was to say, "Look, Bill." It's really hard for people to lose weight after surgery. Most of my patients cannot lose the weight. So I'm just warning you, it's going to be really, really hard. Only somebody who was really determined could lose the weight and keep it off. And you probably won't be able to do it. So I'm just, I'm just warning you, it's going to be really, wow. really tough. And if you can't do it, that's all right. You shouldn't feel ashamed because you like really goading him on. The challenge that Shatner needs exactly. to do that. Of, yeah. Because he doesn't like to lose. Right. And I'm sure be, his, his doctor knows that. So that was the okay. way it was presented That's to him. Great. With, you know, with all his, like his wife and his kids yeah. all, all in cahoots with him. And he's like, you know, make it hard for him. He's like a heroic stature. Exactly. Wow. That's great. I think that that is just the way he is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny when you just said the hip replacement surgery. I can't, we, we were just watching, uh, I'm trying to remember what one I was watching. Um, they're they're saying uh, it wasn't it wasn't about Kirk it was about Spock they're saying something about we're going to go down the planet um, are you up for are you up to it mm-hmm. and when they're going down they're down on the planet and Spock is limping do you know really? you know the episode where Spock, where Spock is like coming up behind uh, Kirk and he's he's like obviously limping but it doesn't seem to be referenced in the story really? at all this will oh, be a puzzle that oh, you can you can address that. later but okay. I'm trying to remember what episodes I was just looking at that that would be in. Um, I don't and, know, and I, I I I can't think of it right now. But okay. I've only I've only in the on the DVD set. I've only looked at the last few, so you'll have to come back and okay. at the shows and you know and explore this. But I, I almost like did I miss them referencing it in the story when when uh, we're going to say who's going down on the planet and uh, Kirk kind of looks at a couple of different people. He looks at Spock and I guess he looks at uh, one of the red shirts or mm-hmm. something and says, you know, are, are you are you up to it? And and they say yes and they go down and then. You see, you see, like Spock kind of limping behind him. It was a puzzle. Yeah. All right. Well, that's one of those, that. one of those famous things. We'll go forward. check the DVDs. Yeah, in a bit. definitely. Um, so, um, one of just one more thing is mm. that um, I have been looking at. Um, do you remember the old Gold Key Star Trek comics? Yes. Yeah. They're terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not surprised. They're really, really bad. So. Um, you must have bought them because I was too mm-hmm. young to be buying comics at that time. Do you remember them as being awful back then? Yeah, I remember getting them because I think the covers were photographs, yes, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, the covers were... See, and I haven't seen these in years, <laughs> but I have a very clear memory. The covers were photographs of the actors, and that was like... Buying that was like buying a souvenir of the show, mm-hmm. you know? And and the the fact that what was going on inside was horrible was just because you know i mean you couldn't keep that up for very long but uh-huh. i don't know if we have a lot of them not that many of them yeah. i bought a trade paperback that collected like the first i don't know 15 issues yeah. or so because this is going to wanted to have it and be able to look at it without worrying mm-hmm. about ripping the pages and the story apparently was that um the artist was some italian guy who didn't speak english and they just gave him some pictures Wow. So he had no idea what he was supposed to be doing and just did the best he could from photographs. Ugh. And I don't know who was writing the scripts, yeah. but they're just, they have no connection to the TV show, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah, I don't remember them being that bad. They were bad. Well, <laughs> well they are very, very, very bad. But yeah, I think it was just basically because it said Star Trek on the front. Mm-hmm. And that was what they did. Well, I'll have to show you. Yeah, I, comics are still like that, you know. Oh, the, I know. The cover illustrations are usually a hundred times better than almost anything inside. <laughs> yes, Absolutely. <laughs> Um, someone had posted online in, in one of the communities I read a scan from one of those gold key comics and it was called Spock's Psycho File and it was supposed to be some facts about him and um, 
it was it showed pictures of him being taunted back mm. on Vulcan, and for some reason the Vulcan children they're all drawn like street urchins from Oliver. <laughs> they're wearing kind of like rags and stuff, and Spock's running down the street, and the kids are taunting him, and what they're saying is, um, Earthling, Earthling. Um, loser from your birthling or something like that. <laughs> I said, did that really rhyme in Vulcan? Wow. <laughs> That's not a literal translation, obviously. And then in the end, thing. he he passes his, his test. You know, they mm. invented this Kazwan thing where the, the Vulcan kids have to go out into the desert and survive for some time. That was in the animated mm. series, right? So he comes out, and um, the man who is greeting him, I guess, is supposed to be Sarek, except he's dressed like Robin of Sherwood. <laughs> he's got on like a, a cap with a feather in it and a little cape. Wow, it's very bad. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's bizarre. So that's the depths to mm-hmm. which those comics go. You, you know, one one thing that I would mention to you, and this, if anybody's listening that, that knows where you can get this um, early fan fiction. And I don't know how I read this, but I think it was like a paperback, mm-hmm. very early, like fan fiction, um, or maybe it was something that you had to get that was just like self-published. It was a, uh, it was uh, a, a Star Trek story that someone wrote, mm-hmm. and it was highly sexual. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of stuff going on, in it. and this is very early on. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I'm remembering it very clearly though because it was like nothing I'd ever seen before, <laughs> and it might have been done in the. Um, 70s at some point. So um, Kirk and Spock have a connecting hallway in between their two quarters, mm-hmm. and there's a chess set in there. Uh-huh. And um, and Kirk is having a sexual relationship with Ahura. It's very clear. Mm-hmm. And there's a bad guy, and uh, he's like more powerful than Ricardo Montalban <laughs> as Khan. And uh, he's, I think the ship's almost empty, uh-huh. and he's trying to kill Kirk. And he's, um, he, I think he's very like, he's like trying to get a horror for himself too. Uh-huh. And he's like more powerful physically. And a lot of the story is written like in a very kind of like, you know, terms of like how masculine <laughs> it's like, he's alpha alpha and Kirk is only alpha uh-huh. and Spock is like kind of other alpha, you <laughs> mm-hmm. know? And, um, there's a there's nudity because Kirk's got a, he's injured and Uhura has to take his clothes off and she's the only one that also knows about the connecting passage but the bad guy that's the only thing he doesn't know about the Enterprise uh-huh. about the secret passage where Uhura has to dra- drag like a naked Kirk in there and hide him so uh-huh. Spock can find him because because that's where the chess set is and only the, and and like I, obviously I still remember it very clearly because it made a big impression on me but I don't know where I would I, love to read it again I have never heard of that yeah. um so that sounds really interesting it was wild I'll, I'll have to I'll have to see if we can track that down someone somewhere Some, someone knows what that must is know or what that is wow. it, was, it was a good story but you know it was obviously very different in tone yes. from the regular TV show well we have read a lot of fanfic over the years yeah. and um I don't remember that story but mm. that sounds really intriguing and I'd mm. like to find that especially if it was early fanfic Mm-hmm. because that stuff is kind of hard to find. A lot of it was published in zine format, so just yeah. people Xeroxing it and stapling it together and mailing yeah, it off to each that's other what it might have been, rather yeah. than and some everything is like online now and the the writing quality of much of it is just really bad. Um I should send you some links to some of the really bad Lord of the Rings fanfic that we we've, mm. we've read because some of it is written by people who appear to be barely literate. <laughs> and um many unfortunately is by, you know, like kind of high school age girls who are in love with Orlando Bloom. Mm. And um I remember one in particular where um oh let's see if I can get it right. It was the, whoever the main character's her her character like supposed to be herself in mm. the story is sitting on the beach with Legolas in Hawaii, and they're getting ready to go shopping at Walmart. 
in Hawaii. Yeah. Then the most outrageous thing about that is I don't know if there's any Walmarts in Hawaii. <laughs> Everything else makes perfect sense know, to me. Know, but, but, yeah, that was the so opening is, for the is, story. Is that, the in that person's life, those are the major key players, yes, right? Yes, exactly, yeah. So Hawaii, Orlando Bloom, Hawaii. A beach on Hawaii, Hawaii and, and, and Walmart. Walmart yeah. uh, those, are the, those are like iconic images. <laughs> and it wasn't supposed to be funny. I get yeah, it. Yeah. I totally get it. Wow, what a life. <laughs> there's, a, there's like a slice of Americana right there, right? But reading, reading fanfic is great because there's so much stuff that's unintentionally funny. And um, I've said this on the show many times, but my favorite line out of fanfic um, was someone who was trying to reference a flashback within a story. And the the line that they wrote was, but that was before five months earlier. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, a flashback inside of a flashback? Yeah, like that just gave me whiplash. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. So well, thanks for talking about Star Trek. This oh. is great. Let's definitely check in after the new Trek movie comes out, which yes. is like supposed to be early we next will do year that. or something, and see what we think about it. Yeah, and and I'll I'll um, I have to assign myself some specific episodes to watch okay. now that I have all the DVDs, great. and uh, and I'll I'll give you some comments. That'd that be I have great. Well, that. maybe we could do it on Skype or something. That would be really okay. fun. Yeah, I'd love that. We have Skype now. So, yes, because so. you have you finally have high speed. So. <laughs> yes, you're joining the rest of us. <laughs> Yay! This I feel great. like I'm stepping into the future. But it's, it's teleportation's great. just another couple of weeks away. Well, we'll do Skype for sure. So thank you. <laughs> Thanks.